And we're once again recording. Hello. You are listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and Jace. We are a Geelong-based podcast where we uh, play some games badly and then talk about them. And you are listening to episode 10. Double digits. Oh, my God. Who would have thought? Well, maybe you, maybe me. Well, I mean, we can keep putting the content out there, right? That's it. Nobody's listening, so it's all good. We got uh, three listeners, haven't we? That's yeah, you, you and me. I'd listen to it twice, just to make up. You're always more dedicated than I was. <laughs> um, yeah, so here we are once again. Um, it's been what's it been? A week and a half, two weeks. An so amount of time. Usual. Yeah. So, what have you just, been up to? Honestly, can I just say that oh. a week and a half, like two weeks, is like a lot faster than I thought we would be putting content out. I'm actually rather impressed. Well, you did say Go so us. at the start. I know, but I didn't think we'd do it. Wow. I saw a lot of things. No, you did actually sound very, um, what's the word? You definitely didn't think we'd be doing fortnightly. No. No. no For was, the most part, I, I we was, have. Uh, yeah. Go us. Go on. And look for the rest of people in COVID, so it's not our fault. Yes. <laughs> So, what have I been doing? Oh, shit. When was the last time we recorded? So, about a week and a half, happened. two weeks ago. Yeah, that, that amount of time. Some stuff has happened. Um, Warcry was played. Um, Ooh, that's that, right. Yeah, there was a sneaky. Remember that conversation where it was like, what nights are people are available to go in to throw the dice and play some Warcry? And you said Wednesday, so we all booked for Thursday. Um, Other way around. Completely. Or that, no, yeah. no, yeah, I said Wednesday and Thursday was definitely out, so you booked in Thursday. Yeah. Um, I'd like to point out that, A, I think that was completely unintentional, and B, they've already booked out Wednesday night for Infinity, so not our fault. Um, but sure when to throw the dice and booked the place out, which meant there were four of us, um, and played some Warcry, which basically involved me teaching the game to three others for the first little bit. Um, and just banging out a couple of really quick scenarios, like, and that's kind of the beauty of it, um, in that you can play a couple of games a night, it takes shit all time, you're not burnt out, um, so I think, I hope everybody left a little bit itchy for some more. It is one of those games that, that could easily turn into something more, Um, Oh. Especially now, they've got a whole heap of new content coming out for it. So there's a couple of boxes, I think, which are going to be either up for pre-order or at least, uh, you know, they'll go through what's in the boxes next weekend, which is tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's one of those. Far. It's a Skaven. Ooh. So even though I've got the Skaven cards, I'm intrigued to see what's in the box. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if they do a bit of a rejig on any of the, the warbands as well, just to, you know, see what they can go. Yeah. Uh, it would, that doesn't sound like GW at all, but um, <laughs> I'm watching some interesting sort of play on, because they've obviously given us the contents of the, the new big starter box, um, and there's a little bit of rage about it's not as good as the old one, but it's pricey, but stop well, The it. old one was extremely good. Fucking stupid. So the the real question will be whether this one's the same sort of cost or whether it is higher for not quite as good stuff. I think that's the concern. But 
we will see. I haven't really looked at it. Um, both war bands are very pretty, though. It's concerning. <laughs> um, I'm trying to stick to the one. I am not, but I'm trying not to go too balls deep. So, um, as I said, played a bit of Warcry. That was fun. A couple of games, a couple of different people, getting some new um, people into the game, which is fun. And hopefully that's going to become sort of a semi-regular thing if we can line up a night where people are actually available um, on a semi-regular basis. So we will see. Stay tuned. Um, But also that meant I was in at Throw the Dice, which has a lot of stock, which is a problem. (laughs) Um, In this week's episode of Plastic Crack, what have you done? Look, and to be fair, it didn't actually, it wasn't too bad, given I'd already ordered most of the stuff that was waiting for me. Um, So I had already ordered a bunch of stuff that had come in, um, including a bunch of the AK um, oil paint range. Um, and some thinner for that. So uh, a handful of those. Um, another Infinity model, uh, which is another little chick and, and a robot friend. I, they have a whole bunch of little cute robot friends that seem to be with models. And I don't know what they do, but they, I want them. Can you um, just, sorry, sorry, can you just repeat that sentence for me? Another. They have a cute little robot friend. No, the one before that. Oh, fuck, I don't know. What did I, I could have said anything. Did you say chicken or chick? Chick. And, chick and. and, okay. Yes. No, if there was robot chicken, I would be doubly in. I got that very would be, excited then, more than I thought no. I would. Um, I mean, there are there are rooster riders in Malifaux, but no, I haven't seen robot chicken. <laughs> um, I have seen robot chicken. I have not seen robot chickens in the game. Um so, sure. yes, Zoe Empire Well um, was that one. Um, but basically, I dropped, look, approximately a, a hundred bucks on paint, um, which had all come in and was very exciting for me. The other thing that happened while I was there was um, I had sort of done a swapsies with another one of the locals who were playing fantasy at the moment. Um, and got him a whole bunch of dwarves, um, and in return, still sitting at the shop waiting for me to, to come and collect it, was a whole bunch of beastmen. Okay. So, that was some more gore, and some more ungore, and another psygore that I can start doing giant conversion-type things with. And this is so that had been for 8 Ed. Yeah. Fantasy. Um, yeah. So I, that was kind of the rest of the stuff I was waiting on getting my hands on so I could really sort of get stuck in. Um, that was there. And then whilst I was there, unfortunately, a bunch of stuff I didn't know Rich was ordering had also come in, <laughs> which meant a lot of the Infinity um, big stompy robots or the tags um that I didn't think you could get. They seemed to be out of stock everywhere. I'd already had a bit of a hunt around and couldn't find anywhere. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I won't buy them. This is fine. Well, he'd got a bunch in. Um, And I called him all sorts of names and then proceeded to purchase um, uh, an Iguana Squadron, which is basically just a big stompy robot, um, for my nomads. Um, 
the bastard thing is huge and all metal. So you seem to be going balls deep into infinity at the moment. They're pretty. I still don't know how the game works. Um, and it's not really important. Um, but they're very nice models and everybody's very excited and I'm a little bit caught up in the hype and I want to paint some. And I'm kind of at the stage where I feel like I had a bunch that I picked up secondhand um, and that was all great, but it didn't involve any giant stompy robots and that's half the reason I think anyone would play Infinity. So I had to at least get a couple. So with what you've got so far, have you got enough to play? I have no fucking idea. Have you looked at the rules? No. Um, so what I did was I bought a bunch of stuff I thought would look cool um, and then I will try and retrofit that into the game somehow when I work out how that works. Okay. Makes so sense. So I'm going to try and get a bunch of stuff assembled at some stage in the near future and rock in on one of Rich's demo nights and just give it a crack, work out how the game works, just base mechanics and whatnot. And then try and nut out some kind of list because I'd like to do that so I can cram all the shit I want to paint in and then paint it and have kind of just a completed force I can have on the shelf and just pick up and play whenever and never have to think about it again. That makes sense. Do you know what sort of a board Infinity's played on? Is it like th- three by three or? I think a full game is four by four, I think. Okay. Um, but they basically, like a lot of games, they scale down the board. Um, it's, if you know, intro games, they play it sort of like half half size. So if a full game is 300 points, um, uh, a smaller game is like 150 and they play on a, a smaller one that they do as part of their like intro boxes and whatnot, you get like a mat, a little fold-out paper mat that's the right size. It's kind of Warcry board start, size-ish. Okay. Makes sense. So that happened. Oh, look, basically I spent too much money at Throw the Dice, um, bought a bunch of paint, and some more Infinity stuff, because Rich is a jerk. Um, he's not Played some Warcry. No, he's not. He's fucking He's an enabler, things. but he's not a jerk. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's no good for my wallet, is the moral of the story. Um, and then hobby news. What have I been up to? So I had managed to do a little bit of painting. You know how last episode we were talking about how I did the flaming wheel guy and I wasn't really convinced that I loved him? Yeah. Uh, I may have repainted the flames. Um, I, but I really I liked the flames. They were good. So I just, I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent happy. And look, I'm still not a hundred percent happy, but I'm happier. Um, I was waiting for glue to dry and twiddling my thumbs and I saw the model standing there and I didn't have anything else sort of ready to paint and I went, mm, just while I'm waiting. Um, and that turned into the rest of the night, me putting fluorescent uh, orange over all of the, the flames everywhere. So that's done now. Um, there's no going back. <laughs> that thing I said I was going to maybe do at the end is now done. Um, and then I realized I better get some other shit done. So I assembled, I was trying to work out what I was going to do for Shadespire. Mm-hmm. The uh, Shadespire, Underworlds, it's still Same called Shadespire. Um, and so I pulled out the two crews I had 
unassembled. So the Godsworn Hunt and the Wild Hunt, funnily enough, the the elves and the the sort of chaos humany people. And then I saw the the elf centaur guy and went, I think I think that's my that's my winner. He's so I assembled a nice him. Looking model that one too. Very pretty, and it's just it's kind of big and special enough that I feel like he, he works for something like the painting challenge too. Um, so I I clipped him off and assembled him, and then I assembled the rest of them, and then I assembled the Godswan Hunt. Um, so they're all done now, and ready to paint whenever I can be asked getting around to it. But that happened. And then I did the infinity model that I had planned on painting for the challenge, which was the, um, fuck, what's it called? It doesn't matter. George. Um, yeah, George. Uh, so the mobile brigada, brigada, I don't know. Mobile brigada. Um, George. That was fun though, because I'd got the oils and stuff from Rich. So it was the first time I'd had to play with oil paint on a model. Um, now, I think uh, if anyone is listening to this, which is unlikely, but if they yeah, are, they've not. probably seen the photo that you've put in the um, the competition event that we've got. How? Explain to me how you do something like that because it looks like it's sort of it's like a a white or a light color with almost like black cracks in it. Yeah, look, there was there was a couple of things I was playing with and in hindsight I probably went a little bit heavy-handed. Um, so the two things I wanted to, to have it go at more um, were sort of chipping and weathering and oils because I just bought a bunch. So two parts there is um, I basically sprayed the whole model like a dark, what is it? It's called Petroleum Grey by Scale 75, um, which is basically like a dark kind of oily grey colour. Mm-hmm. Then I'd put a bunch of chipping medium um, over that and then I sprayed in like a white-ish colour. Then what you do is you go back with a just an old brush or something and sort of a wet brush. And what it does is it lifts the last coat of paint back to the chipping medium. Okay. So what you're left with is whatever color is underneath. So it's kind of good if you want to do you know, like rusted funky armor and stuff like that. You could do like a, a rust color, throw your chipping medium and, and put another color over the top. And then it chips back to the, the color before. So... Um, that was kind of how that started. The only downside I found, it was probably a little bit heavy for the size of the model. Like if you were doing a tank or, um, you know, some really beat up type scenery and stuff, it would have been fine. But on something that small, it was probably a little bit too much. So that's why there's all these sort of chunks of kind of this black color mm-hmm. under the white. Um, from that though, I then used, um, I made sort of a wash out of a black oil paint and just smashed that over the whole model. Um, 
and what I found was the the oil paints are kind of cool in that they are super. Um, you know how washes kind of run into the crevices of, mm-hmm. of models, but you're kind of left with some on the the surface as well. Yep. So the washes, so the oil wash runs into the crevices like nobody's business. Like it, it's like really, um, yeah, you know, it just does that by itself naturally. But the other half of that is you can throw some thinner on like a cotton bud and wipe it off the main surfaces. Okay. Um, so you can basically go back and clean it up. And because you're using um, like a turpentine or a thinner or something, it doesn't touch any of the acrylic paint that you've been using, the water-based stuff. Mm-hmm. So it literally just cleans the, the wash back up. Um, and then I went back and just highlighted and did other stuff and, and added more orange glow because fluoro orange is, is my jam at the moment, apparently. <laughs> um, did him and I have since started my Warmaster Carnifex. Carnifex? No, Carnosaur. Carnifex is the tyrannid guy. Carnosaur. Yep. Um, so the Lizardman uh, dinosaur riding friend in teeny tiny... 10 millimeter Warmaster scale. So I've made a start on him. And that is basically me for the last two weeks. It's a fair effort. I feel like I made it sound like more than it was. <laughs> well, it seems like more than what I've done. So if you're thinking it's not that much, then I'm in trouble. What have I been doing now? Um, very, it seems, yeah, like I said, very little. I've been doing some geeky stuff um i got kind of addicted to vermintide 2 on the xbox and so i've been having a bit of fun with that uh which is basically it's basically left for dead if you've ever played that but in the warhammer world so better so yeah you're running around you've got plenty of skaven to kill uh, including, I mean, there's, you know, rattling guns that pop up every now and then. There's rat ogres. There's assassins that appear out of nowhere and start stabbing you in the back. Pack masters that try and grab you and take you away somewhere. Uh, but there's a whole heap of Nurgle guys all through it as well. So finally finished off all of the levels today. So that was my achievement. Um, not bad. Like, I played a little bit of the first one. Didn't mind it, but didn't go too far. But this one, I have played the storyline. Plus, I played there were three levels, which I don't know if they're part of like a an upgrade up, oh, an update, or if they were actually DLC. But they're three levels on the, based around Drakenfels uh, and the castle there, which was kind of cool. So I've done that. I have been watching and finished season two of the boys you completely overtook me <laughs> i thought you were done like no. from the way you were talking to me last time we talked about it i thought you were done and so it's lucky i didn't give anything away i hope no no i think we're good um no because it's, it's again it's one of those ones that i'm watching with the missus so it's only when our mm-hmm. sort of the moons are, you know the planets align and we're feeling like doing the same thing at the same time um, she's not watching something else and I'm not painting or doing something else that we actually get an episode in and because they go for an hour long each, like you kind of, Oh, if that happens at 10 o'clock, it's 11, you're only getting one episode in. So we're almost doing one a week. It feels like anyway. 
So it's, it's, they're only eight episodes, but yeah, because they're an hour long each, it's, it's hard to watch a couple at once. I did go one night, I think, where I watched the last three. Damn. And then I felt very guilty and tried to get some sleep and felt like crap for work the next day. But it was the last three, so I couldn't very well stop it too. <laughs> Um, but that was good. Uh, again, it, it deviates from the comic, but it does its own thing as well, and it does it in a really good way. So I think I'm quite happy. Like, I'll keep watching this as long as they keep putting it out. And they left it open, of course, for season three, which was already announced. I think even before season two came out, they were talking about season three. So good that that'll keep going. Um, done a little bit of purchasing, but no real plastic crack. Um, I have bought myself a couple of the, uh, expansions for the DC deck building game from work. So I did pick up the, the Batman Ninja box, uh, and the Crisis 2 and 3 boxes because they had, you know, Black Lanterns in there and Suicide Squad and they all sounded really cool. So I picked them up. I've had a bit of a look, haven't had a play around with them just yet uh and i did find i've gotten kind of addicted to not pop vinyls but it's the same company they put out these funko sodas which is basically a soda can with a little uh plastic you know figure inside and I came across at work like the last copy of one of the convention exclusives for Masters of the Universe and managed to get my hands on that because yeah, there weren't any customer orders for it. That was just sort of a spare in case somebody had an issue and I was lucky enough to grab that, which is bad because that means that I've got all of the Masters ones now, which means I have to keep going. And get oh, yeah. all the other ones that come once out. Once you have them all, I can't stop that trend. You know, I can't stop that that uh, the OCD completionist in me. But which only kicks in when something's complete. Like there is an easy way to head this off at the pass. But <laughs> well, it was I, I picked up. They've had some really good ones, especially convention exclusives. So they had uh, the convention before the latest one. They had Trapjaw, who's my all-time favourite, and Mossman, and I picked up both of those. And I managed to get my hands on She-Ra and Spycore, which were the last two. And, uh, yeah, it's just... The only other one I was missing was the original He-Man, and I did pick that up. Unfortunately, though, I did get the Chase version, which is the the rare one-in-six version that you can get, and that's not the one I was after, so now I'm going to have to find myself a normal one. Gonna have to not buy the special one. Oh, it's, it's disappointing. What this whole conversation though really brought home yet again was how creative the naming conventions were for cartoons back in that, oh, that kind of. That was so good, so good. Spike or Moss Man, Beast Man. Here's a guy with a giant metal fist he can shoot out. What should we call him? Fisto. <laughs> So good. I <laughs> uh, miss it. I mean, you know, I did try a number of years ago to go back and watch He-Man and 
I just sort of stared at it for a couple of episodes, just going, what the hell is this? You know, how many drugs do I have to be on to, to really get into this now? But if you really want a good one, go back and watch the Dolph Lundgren movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic. Like, well, they, they were going to film a new masters film, uh, this year, but of course COVID happened. I think, think from last I heard that it's off completely. However, there are two Netflix shows coming out next year, one of which has been done and written by Kevin Smith and he's got like so many good actors on there doing the voice parts. So Mark Hamill's doing Skeletor, so that alone makes it worthwhile. Um, Jason Mewes, I think he's he's doing Stinkor. Which makes sense. Appropriate. Yeah. The only issue I have is that you know uh, Harley Quinn Smith is doing a voice for it, and I just I know she's his daughter, but she just nah, she can't act. (laughs) It drives me insane, and he puts her in everything these days. But yeah, I can't believe just going back a little bit that the Masters of the Universe movie only got 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> only? Only. They, they were robbed. <laughs> anyway. It was so bad. It was oh. so bad. Because they took everything that was great about Masters and they left it out of the film. You know, we've got no budget <laughs> for this. In this room? Let's, let's <laughs> film it on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I get... On that, I'm really disappointed that whoever is making those models and or game is Europe only. Look, there's two. So there's one. Is, so there's two Masters of the Universe miniatures games coming out next year. This can only be good. I believe they're both going to Kickstarter. At least one is. And the one that I'm that I looked into that is going to Kickstarter is Europe only. So they are not shipping to Australia, they are not shipping to America, and it's obviously something to do with the licensing. I really appreciate that they're not shipping to America. Like, that almost makes it okay. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not just us Aussies getting upset about it. I get to see all the comments from the Americans in the, uh, along the same lines, which is great. Trump would have none of this. (laughs) It's TikTok's fault, obviously. Um, but the models, oh, the, the the one you sent me the other day of Skeletor on Panthor, and oh, they just look so good, and I really want them. But and they're reasonably priced. They well, yes, they are something like nineteen dollars for a model, but I believe shipping to the UK is thirteen dollars, which is you know almost as much. So mm, almost uh, worth it. Almost, almost. We, we might look And then shipping from more. UK to here. Because, yeah, we started looking into how can we get a, a UK shipping address to make us in the Europe. Does that count as Europe now? They're out of the EU? Anyway. Apparently it does in some cases. All right. Um, anyway, back on to sort of more hobby-based talk. I did get involved. I joined this Facebook group um, not too long ago but uh it's called dead ccg collectors and it's it's all people that collect 
old collectible card games which are out of print, no longer being made. Sounds like you. It sounds like me. Um, just out of curiosity's sake, plus the fact that I'd really, really like to get my hands on like a starter for the Battlestar Galactica collectible card game. Um, but there's been a few guys on there talking about the Warhammer 40k card game, which sort of dragged me into a bit of a conversation and I had to get out my, my old decks that I used to, I'd won a couple of tournaments with and uh, go through the cards and send the card list to them because they were interested, which got me kind of interested in playing again a little bit. But to play, I need somebody to play against. So <laughs> we might um, we might just muck around with that a little bit. But painting-wise, I did finish up the Claw Lord uh, Skaven piece for the little comp we've got going. Overall... Not too bad. Not yeah. He didn't turn out as great as I'd hoped, but some of him turned out better than I expected. So I'm kind of sitting on the fence about him. the The thing I was really, I really wanted to do was the white skeleton on his back piece, and I wasn't quite sure how to do it. And in the end, all I did was a bit of white and a black wash over the top and then highlight it from there. And it seemed to work quite well. I'm quite happy with how that looks. The rest of the model, yeah, not disappointed, but yeah. I think I, every conversation we had was how to get that, because they do that really, and it's a kind of a real classic G-Dub look, where it's that real white bleached style sort of bone colour. Where it's still bone, but it's very white, and they've got those real dark, sort of almost black, kind of washed shadow mm. situations in all, all the recesses. And I don't know how many conversations it was kind of how do you, how do you reckon? And there are probably very, you know, frequent and oh, you know, people have. Done, I assume these will probably be in white dwarf magazines that are sitting in someone's mother's basement. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't have access to because I threw out all my white, old white dwarves. I think um, I did too. But, yeah, it was just going, all right, how, how would we retro do this, <laughs> retrofit, you know, the paints we've got now and, and everything that's going on, how would you achieve that? Mm. But in the end, yeah, I just did just a non-oil wash over the top and that seemed to do the trick. And it looked yeah. to me like it should be harder than that. But I know. I get told all the time things should be harder than they are, but sometimes you've got to work with what you got. That's it. I was, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Um, <laughs> he came out nice. Yeah. And then I have started on my fourth piece, which is the Snotling Pump Wagon. And I'm trying to do something which you talked about with me uh, recently. And I've started on it. I did the, the top wooden part, tried out this little technique and I'm quite happy with it. I can I can do better, which is why I only started on the top. I didn't want to go too far in. Um, but the wood on the top of that is looking quite nice, I must say. Yeah, I like it. I'm a fan. And as I said, it just kind of gives it a little bit, little bit of interest. It's not just brown because no. it's very easy to do wood brown. Well, I did the the supports for the um for the roof with just a what was it? A, the whole thing was 
undercoat and wraith bone, and then it was a gore grunt, gore grunter fur contrast paint on the supports. That is such a and good I, color, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I looked yeah. at it and I was like, this is good. I did do a practice run on just sort of playing around with paints on the first pump wagon that I have, and I ended up doing like a wildwood contrast over the top. I originally started, I just wanted to see what an Agrax uh, wash would do over the top, but it didn't quite give me the look I wanted, so I went with wormwood over the top of that, and it's much too dark. So this Gorgrunter fur is, is a much better colour. And I, looking at the supports, the supports look quite good. But doing that wash over the, the top of the roof, just it gives it a much, uh, a much different sort of styling. Yeah. And they start looking like they are a little bit ramshackle, like they're made up of different bits that they've just scrounged from wherever. Which is what they should be. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's basically a barrel cut in half anyway, isn't it? The, the yeah. base of it. Yeah, I'm going to have to pull them out and have a look one day. We need to, we need to finish this hobby challenge so I can get into other stuff. Well, I have projects lining up. Not far to go. I know, right? And I've got two models to go. <laughs> one of get them, them is done. started. You'll get them done. Like if you put your mind to it, you'll finish them both tomorrow. Oh, yeah, but that's an if. That's a real big if. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so this episode is going to be probably not as long as our, our normal ones. We did play a game, but um, it's not the sort of game that I'm going to go into too much depth about, you know, what we, how we played and, you know, what turn or what cards people were playing or whatever it is. I figure we'll just go into a bit about the game, how it's played, and then our experience with it. So why don't we take a break here, Mm -hmm. put on some music. I haven't even thought about music yet. I don't know if you have. No, that's a problem for post-production. Excellent. We'll just chuck something on. Baby Shark or Achy Breaky Heart or something. Good classics. That's what I like about this. Cool. You can tell your mom I moved to Arkansas. You can tell your dog to buy my leg. I tell your brother Cliff, whose fist can tell my lip. He never realized. And we are once again recording. I would like to officially take this moment to apologize to anyone listening, because I realize what I've done now, and you've most likely put Achy Breaky Heart in there. I wasn't going to tell your heart. 
Uh, well, whatever it was. <laughs> anyway, we played a game. We totally played a game. We did. So we've hinted this in as much as we put a picture of it up on the uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Instagram, that's a new thing for me too. I, I Yeah, I, I did see you getting across it. And... Well, yeah, I got told off. I joined it because I wanted to make sure you weren't posting inappropriate stuff or that you were posting inappropriate stuff, whichever the case may be. Um, And then I got told off for not having any pictures up there, so you may as well do that. So I did some of that today, some of the old stuff, but I realised, first of all, that the Instagram kind of makes everything into a square, so I've got to make sure that the pictures I'm uploading are kind of squarish. Vaguely, sort of, yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll put up some models and stuff that I do, so it'll be something. <laughs> Anywho, if you did see that, you've seen a picture of the game that we played, which was the DC deck-building game, the Dark Knight's Metal version, which is all based around the Batman who laughs and his little posse of awesome evil Batman. Uh, so the deck building game, it's there's a few of them around. The main one is that most people all know is called Legendary. And there's a few different types of that. There's, there's Marvel, Legendary, there's Alien, Predator, Firefly, Buffy, insert IP here. But for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure that they're at least... They might even be put out by the same company. But why the DC decided to go with the, the amazing name of the DC deck building game is a bit beyond me. They they really did get creative with that, didn't they? Because I'm not sure how I'm going to name this episode. <laughs> um, it's like they're not even trying, honestly. Uh, like, uh, so, so if you're out of curious, because I'm, I'm not really across the other versions I didn't know this was a game until you told me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if it's you know legendary, is it legendary Marvel and legendary Firefly and yes. legendary My Little Pony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Some of them are known as legendary encounters. I'm not a hundred percent. I have, I haven't played any of the others, so I can't comment. I have been listening to a podcast where they're going through Marvel Legendary and DC deck building and comparing the two but so far, I'm about halfway through that and so far it's been very similar you know you're sort of interchangeable I, I I don't want to shit on everyone else's podcasts but I feel like comparing two things that are the same in a podcast well <laughs> it was how similar they are and yep. I think I, th- I think they're way too similar for their own good. Just excuse me while I quickly Google. Um, it's, it's the same game, isn't it? You, you basically change some. I'm some assuming character so. art. It's do, do, do. all right. So I think looks like Legendary is put out by Upper Deck. I'll just. Yeah, Upper Deck, who do a lot of 
like card game accessories like sleeves and uh, folders and stuff like that. So Cryptozoic is the, the mob that put out the DC one. So obviously they can't just add on the legendary title. but Right. It'll be one of those really awkward contract negotiation things where it's like you can have the game and the mechanics and everything, but you're not allowed to call it this. So we play. You're allowed to yeah. have Spider Man, or you, you're allowed to have the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, but you can't refer to them as Magneto's children or mutants. No, because, this is what I'm hearing. <laughs> because they're not the same. Because this is a different universe. Ah, I'm excited to see what Fox does. Oh, not Fox. What Disney does with what Fox had. So. Now that they have they the rights, fuck it. Oh, look, yeah. Yeah. anything I'd like to see Galactus. Galactus, that's not a big giant cloud, and it actually looks like Galactus. Um, so, apparently, apparently there is another uh, Fantastic Four film on the way. Yeah, that's what we all need in our lives. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so a deck building game is basically it's a card or a board game where the construction of the deck is the main element of gameplay. So what you're doing is trying to build up your, your deck of cards that you're you're playing with and shuffling through and try and make what you've got bigger and better, basically. So it's like the game of life. Pretty much. Um, and look, let's let's be clear. When you said deck building game, um, I I think we all sort of understood my views on not not necessarily that style of game, but my apprehensions around deck building games or my experience therein um, from the Underworlds episode. <laughs> and so, and look, there, I I will admit I came in with a level of apprehension. Um, I was surprised you agreed to play it so quickly. To be quite honest, look, I, you know. As as I say to all my sexual partners, I'm up for anything once. Um, so yeah, now look, it was it was one of those where I'm sort of like, all right, well, I haven't played any you know, really apart from Underworlds. Card games have not been my my thing, um, and I'm still struggling to wrap my head. And we might have to dive into this in a whole other episode because there's probably an episode's worth of content around the differences between card or deck games versus miniature games. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as I said, level of apprehension just because it it just doesn't seem to click. Um, And I was curious to see how to play out, not having any experience in any other games. Um, But we played anyway. We did. We did. Uh, So basically what they do, is the the game starts you off, it starts all players off on a level field. So you're given a deck to start off with, and that deck is the same as everybody else that plays. This is a, uh, the one we played is a two to five player game. And so every player starts off with the same 10 cards, which are seven punches, which give you plus one power when you play them, and three vulnerabilities, which do nothing at all and basically just clog up your deck. You're drawing five cards per round, so after two rounds, you're through all those ten cards. 
And the idea is obviously to increase your card size and get bigger and better cards than the crappy ones that you start off with and try and sort of thin out your deck a little bit, try and get rid of some of those cards that are really not helping you that much. So the way that it works is most cards will have a power uh, ability on them when you play. So you draw your, card, your hand of five cards. You're basically going to play them all because at the end of the round, your your five cards or however many you're picking up, you might be picking up more because certain cards that you're playing. But all those cards are going to go into your discard pile and the next turn you're going to draw up the same amount of cards. So each card that you play might have a certain amount of power on it. All that power adds up. So if you've got your first card your first set of five cards you've got one vulnerability which is nothing and four punches each of those punches are worth one power so you're you've got a power of four for that round and the way that the it's the layout of this is so you've got a lineup which starts off with five cards and each of those cards has a purchase cost which is equal to the power so you want to get with your four power or whatever you've got, you want to purchase more cards, which then go into your discard pile. So when you start shuffling through again, you're drawing those more powerful cards. So it's fairly basic. I'd, I, stop me if I'm wrong, because I am talking from a, from a very CCG background but it seems to me like a very basic idea of how to do it. I feel like the fact that I, I picked it up relatively quickly indicates that, yeah, there wasn't a real complexity in the, the base mechanics at least. Um, I mean, realistically, you pick up four cards from your, your draw pile or you pick up five cards from your, your draw pile and then you try and buy better cards with them. All the cards you've played and all of the cards you've bought then go into your discard pile. Once you burn through that, next turn you shuffle everything together. And so the idea is the core part of the game is building your deck. So that's kind of what you're doing throughout the course of the game. And I suppose where you know my apprehension previously was, you was going to have to be, all right, here's a bunch of cards. You've somehow got to make a deck that, Mm-hmm. works for whatever the game objective mechanic the thing was but it was actually a core part of playing the game was using whatever you've drawn in your hand to purchase cards to improve your hand so it was you basically playing cards and and working out what's there what you, you can afford what would give you the best chances of you know doing cool shit next turn, the turn after? And then how do you start to get rid of the cards like the vulnerabilities that you don't want in your hand because they're just clogging it up or even potentially making it worse for you? Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I thought the same thing. Like I bought this box because A, it was quite cheap and B, because it was metal. And Dark Knight Metal with... with Batman Who Laughs is just, it's just one of those stories which has just grabbed me. Uh, so I was kind of expecting the same sort of thing like where you, you've got to sort of make your deck beforehand. So it was it was a good, uh, it was a pleasant surprise when 
I worked out, and I played two solo games of this before we played, just to get an idea of how it worked and, and what I should be doing, that sort of thing. And it just, the basics were so quick to pick up. And it was a bit of fun. Like, it was actually a lot more fun than I expected it to be. So, the lineup, you've got a lineup of cards. It starts off as five cards, but there are cards that you can play that will increase the lineup as well. You've got two piles of cards which are face up, and in this game, that's your breakthroughs, which cost three to buy, and each time you use them, it's plus two power. But the good thing about a breakthrough is that you can, once you've played it, if you've played any vulnerabilities or weakness cards in that same turn, you can get rid of the breakthrough to get rid of one of those and basically remove it from your deck so that you're not going to be playing it over and over again and clogging up your deck that way. The other pile is your weakness pile, and these are bad. So the weakness cards you'll get for various different occasions throughout the game, and they're going to go into your deck, or in some kind, sometimes they're going to go into your hand and just make life a little bit more difficult for you. So there's those two piles. You also have a pile of... Uh, your shuffled superheroes, which you will get dealt to at the start of the game and get to choose which superhero you want to start off with. And for our game, we started off, you started off with Superman, which is, as far as I can tell, he's one of the best, if not the best in the game. Uh, and myself, I started off with Mr. Terrific. Those, those superheroes all have their own unique ability, which will affect you throughout the game. And then the last pile of cards is your villains. And the villains will come one at a time. Once you defeat them, the next one will come along. That'll do bad stuff to start off with. And then you'll eventually defeat them. And once you go through and get to the final villain, which in this case is uh, Babetos, you finish the game and count up how much victory points everybody has. The unique thing with the metal version of the deck building game is that the Batman Who Laughs is not a villain that you can beat. He's kind of got his own little mechanic. He sits on the outside of the board. He captures Batman from turn one. And then every time you defeat one of the villains he gives you two weaknesses and you get to rescue one of the characters that he's captured. So it's, it's an interesting way you can build up your lineup of, of superheroes. I think by the time we finished, we both had four or five superheroes and each one of course gives you a different ability. And the, the other thing is that if you have weaknesses in your deck, which Obviously, you get from defeating the villains and various other moments throughout the game. If you, in your hand of five cards that you draw up, if you've got two weaknesses, then one of your guys gets captured by the Batman who laughs. And if you haven't got any superheroes on your team, you'll have to draw another a random one to replace it. 
with the ones that we started off with, uh, Mr. Terrific gave me the ability to put a weakness in my hand to draw an additional two cards once per round, which is both good and bad. Uh, but your one, Superman, allows you, it gives you plus one power for every weakness that you play in a round, which starts beefing up your ability to buy cards and take down the villains. Then the second half of that, though, was, so normally if you would play two weakness cards, so you've drawn your, ha- your hand of five cards, you, you have to play the weaknesses. That's not an option. You've got to play them first. If there are two of those in your hand, um, normally one of your hero characters would be captured. So you'd lose all those abilities. They go back under the, the Batman who laughs. Um, Superman means that it now takes three weaknesses. So you'd have to be drawing three out of five cards that are all weaknesses, which means you either have a shit ton of weaknesses or sh- you're shuffling really badly um, to start losing those those heroes, which all have unique abilities, which basically make your you better. Like it, it every time you play it, um, it, those heroes' abilities can come into a play and, and make it, you know, whatever you do on your turn, just a little bit easier. So between the weaknesses now actually kind of helping because at least they cost, they, they give you one power so you can start purchasing more and you can effectively play a couple of them without real worry up until the end of the game where you have to start scoring. Um, yeah, he, he, it seems like a no-brainer. Like if you get that option, you just take that option. In both the solo games that I played, I was I did draw Superman as my starting one, and he just it did make life so much easier. What we we both found from playing this game is that there's a lot of cards that you can purchase throughout the um, the game, which will allow you to draw more cards when you play them. So, for instance, as the uh, uh, the evil Robins, you play them, you get plus one power but you also draw a card. So by drawing up more cards, you're getting more and more possibilities of more power that you can take down more enemies or, or buy more cards. But the other side of that is that you could also draw up more weaknesses if they're in your deck. So through, throughout the game that we played, you with Superman, you didn't play three weaknesses at once throughout the whole game, I don't think. No, it didn't come up. Yeah. Whereas Played I, two? I did. I lost, I think, two or three of my guys throughout the game. Got captured yeah. from from multiple weaknesses on my part. Um, the villains. That's basically how you finish the game. So there are seven villains. Uh, Barbados is the last one. He's worth uh, fourteen, so you have to build up fourteen power to defeat him. Uh, on top of him are three shuffled 11-power villains, and on top of them are three 9-power villains. So you're starting off with the, the weaker ones, and each time you defeat them, you'll get a bonus, so you might be able to draw extra cards next turn. But as soon as you flip over that next villain, he's doing something to you. So I think, what was it, when we flipped over Barbados at the end, he automatically gave us a weakness in our deck for every single superhero that we had on our team. So we both both picked up four or five. (laughs) Yep. And, yeah, that's that's basically it. It's kind of the premise, and it was, you know, it probably took a couple of turns of just playing through for me to go, all right, I get it now. Um, 
But realistically, the whole premise here is you go through and you buy cards off the... So there's however many you've got in your lineup. You basically, in your turn, you draw up, you play those. Some of those attack your opponents so they can cause them to, you know, draw or pick up weaknesses or have to discard cards and stuff like that. Which in um, this case was me. So you seem to get a lot of those attack cards. Uh, and the, the idea is that the end of the game, you're counting up victory points, and each card that you have in your deck is worth a certain amount of victory points. The basic ones that you start off with are all worth nothing, so they're useless, uh, and each weakness that you have in your deck is worth minus one. Any super villains that you defeat get added onto your victory points at the end. So you are, at least the, the version that we played, you are playing not necessarily co-op, you're, you're both trying to take down the villains and, and beef up your decks, but at the end of the game, the person with the most victory points wins. So those attacks that cards will have will attack you, any other players that you're playing with. And it's kind of like a, a way of getting yourself a little bit further, taking them down a little bit more, and making sure that you can get the better cards and, and defeat the, the enemies as yeah. much as possible. The way the way I'm kind of thinking of it, and this is probably the worst analogy I can possibly come up with, but it's kind of wacky races, right? In that we're not necessarily playing directly against each other. We're all just playing for the same single prize. You want to have the most points at the end of the game. So to get those, to get the game to finish, we have to, defeat the last villain, which basically means having enough power to, you know, purchase him. Um, but so what the attack cards do is just put you a little bit ahead in that race or put your opponents that little bit further behind. So it, it, it doesn't feel like you're playing against the other. And that's, this is probably a thing that actually makes it a really cool kind of, because it's multiplayer, um, but even playing just with the two of us, it didn't feel like it was super competitive because we weren't necessarily just trying to defeat each other. We were both just competing for the same goal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like definitely at no point during our game did I feel like oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to fight against you rather than the, the cards that we had to defeat. Uh, there are different, ways that you can play this game uh, and there is they are, there are cooperative like completely cooperative versions from what i've heard they do take a little bit longer to play but i haven't investigated that properly yet so we just played the base game but overall i had a lot of fun yeah and look as i said i walked in with a bit apprehensive just cuz I said deck building, card game, something. But it it basically plays like a board game. It and that's kind of it. It was one of those ones that you could just roll up completely unprepared. Go, all right, let's bust out a game. Pull out this. The game is a bunch of cards, but so what? Um, and it, you know, you can play two players. I mean, you played solo, but. I think that was kind of an adaption of the game. Yeah, there, I know there are solo ways of playing at least because metal is not the um, 
I mean, it's the most recent version of the game. So it came out, I think there was, there was like a Rebirth version. There's a Teen Titans version. There's a Forever Evil version where you get to play as the, the bad guys, basically. So your Lex Luthers, your, um, your Jokers, I believe, things like that. There is a solo way that you can play those ones with metal. It's a little bit because of the... Uh, the whole capturing aspect, I believe, it's a little bit different. So they didn't have the solo rules in the rule book, but what I did was just go online, saw a guy that had sort of created, maybe created his own way of playing solo, and I just gave that a go. It just you know gave me twenty turns. Uh, it had a rule that you'd replace one card in the lineup every turn, which kept things moving which is what would happen normally because obviously the people that you're playing with would be buying cards and thus that lineup is going to change by the time it gets back to your turn so and it was just you know rather than having the most victory points the idea in that 20 turns was to make sure that you took down the last villain so but you can see how this would be you know three or four guys and i'm you know, I think it's what two to five normally, yep. but yeah, yeah, up to five people. This would this would be fine, and it might take a little bit longer because obviously you got to burn through everyone's turns. But also, like, I think that would be fun, and it might make a little bit more out of those attack cards and things mm-hmm. like that, where you start people are. The other thing I noticed out of this because there's a lineup of however many cards that you can purchase, and. If I purchase some, we replace those ones that I've purchased, and then when it's your turn, same deal. And what I found a lot happening during the game is I'm I'm there during your turn, going right. Well, in my turn, I want to purchase this one, or this is the pick of the litter mm-hmm. out of there, and then you would go and buy it, um, and it'd get replaced with some piece of garbage that nobody wanted, and I'd have to rethink on the fly. All right, well, what have I got in my hand? How many power have I got? What can I purchase? How do I now best play these? And I feel like the more people you have vying for those, you know, good, good cards, um, and the more you're cycling through that, the more interesting it would get as well. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that main deck is is made up of ninety seven cards. Yeah, there's there's a couple. So there's a bit of variety in there. Yeah. So uh, I mean. As I said, realistically, it plays like a board game. It didn't feel like... And I think ultimately that comes back to the deck building element being the core game mechanic. It's what you do throughout the per, the, the course of the game. Um, and the idea is to get to a stage where you can start defeating enemies, um, you know, and maximising the cards you've got in your hand by getting rid of the, the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses that you've got. Um, and even those, you know, it got to the stage where we're like, the punch cards are worth nothing. They're one power when you play them, which is not bad, but it's not, compared to all the cards that you're purchasing, it's not good. So you actually want to start getting rid of them. They don't score you anything by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's this, how do I, so what cards have I got now that let me, just discard cards or, you know, get them out of my deck. Um, the uh, breakthrough cards, you know, you suddenly you're, you're purchasing them 
I started at the start of the game going, well, I don't have any weaknesses. I don't have any reason to purchase anything. And then you defeat the first villain and you start seeing how those weaknesses quickly start adding up. Um, and like, all right, well, I'm going to need a few of these. Um, and then also when you start progressing and you start being able to stack abilities, I did feel by the end of that game where we've got five heroes that all have abilities that potentially play with one or like have some kind of, you know, interplay with one another. Mm-hmm. So you draw your five cards and you start playing this and then if you play this with this card then that one's worth more but because I played three of these cards now my character comes into play and does a thing um, and and then because his one does a thing the next one kind of kicks in so it by the end of it it did feel like a kind of like a more traditional deck building card game because it is all about the synergies between the cards mm-hmm. Um and you could start to it, it start to feel like a little bit like that, but nowhere like it's it's not like you could at the start of the game play to set that up for the end of the game. You kind of have to just play the chips as they fall, or you know the hand that you dealt as it as it were. It was there was, I mean, there were so many different ways that things could happen i fe- we found early on that the, the cards that allow you to draw extra cards were really good um, but there's i mean there's other card types in there there was a card which i picked up two of without thinking too much about which was a hero card called dr fate which did plus two uh power and then when you played him you got to flip over the next card of the main deck into the lineup and if that card is worth five or more you can draw a card and i thought okay drawing a card that'll be good but in playing these these two dr fates just a couple of times then all of a sudden the lineup was sitting at nine cards yeah and we had so much more to choose from and that was both good and bad because it just started like half the turn was like wait what do all these cards do how much do they cost which ones do i actually want um, and when you start getting sort of through the game, so instead of, you know, at, at the first turn, you at best have, what, five power to, to purchase with, you know, at the end of it, you know, you easily double that and you're like, you're purchasing multiple cards um, out of the lineup if you're not defeating a villain. So you might not have the, the 11. And there was quite a few times where we had sort of either an eight or a 10, not quite enough to defeat the villain. But you're purchasing a lot of cards, um, you know, threes, four cards out of that lineup or combinations of that and breakthroughs and whatever else. So having a big lineup to choose from made that a little bit like it was good that you, you get the choice, but also you just like you could you could see how only having the five cards there would force really hard decisions about what am I going to purchase do I spend these cards to put one of these in my hand? Is that worth it? Or do I, if even if I've got eight powered, maybe I only spend five and just burn the other three because it's not worth drawing one of these cards into my hand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's, the basics were, were very easy to get, but there's just so much like sort of depth to a lot of the cards and a lot of the thinking that you have to do on the fly. 
which made the whole thing incredibly yeah. interesting for me. And, and I think the big thing there is it is you, you do have to do that thinking on the fly. It's not like you know the cards that are in that lineup until they're flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not even that familiar with the cards that are in your deck because you've only drawn them that game. They're going to be different every time. So I think that was probably the piece that made it feel like that there was a lot of replayability because it's going to be a different game every time because you're all going to draw different cards in different orders. Um, the lineup's going to be different. The heroes that you get to choose from at the start are going to be different. Um, the order that stuff comes out is always going to be different. And then when you start adding in different numbers of players, um, like yeah, it, it feels like you're playing the same mechanic, but it's going to always be a different game. And that's just the base game too. So when you start adding into some of these expansions that I've picked up, so for example, uh, the Batman Ninja from the really pretty but really bad film of the same it was name. so bad. It was so bad. It was pretty though. It looked really good. It was just so bad. I sat through it <laughs> because it was so pretty. Um, I love the aesthetic. I love the, you know, the, the art style. I love all that, but yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. But even with that, I mean, for you add those cards and all of a sudden you're not playing Batman Who Laughs anymore. You're playing the villains from the Batman Ninja game, which once they're defeated, they all turn into these giant super robot Joker. They, they Voltron. Yeah, and you, you're you playing with different style of heroes. You've got different heroes to choose from at the start, and you've got different cards. Like there's 21 cards. That's just a very small addition but those 21 cards go into, I think it's the first half of the, the main deck. So just by adding that simple little expansion, you've got almost a different game. And there's a couple of expansions I, I saw the other night. So <laughs> th- there's options. Yeah. Well, the um, the crisis ones that I picked up, two and three, they just have different different people that you can play and different ways of playing. And then the, the little ones like the Ninja, uh, there's like four of those. I think there's four Crisis ones as well. And then plus there's like, I think there's four versions of the base game anyway. So lots of variety. But overall, you know, for something that I picked up because it wasn't going to cost me much and it had a very shiny picture of the Batman who laughs on the front, I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah. I I could see that one being a relatively staple um, you know, game in any board game rotation. Um you know, it's that really good balance of easy to pick up, easy to teach people, easy to get people involved. So even those like people that aren't CCG players, they're not um, even not massive board game players or you know anything like that. It's it's simple enough and it's easy enough to understand the base mechanic that other people could play it. If basically, I think the hook here is: Do you like the IP of the particular version version that you've got? Um, that's probably the hook here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's enough on it that requires thinking on the fly that even people that are sort of heavily into games are not going to get bored of this. So it 
it spans that really, really well. But I feel like rather than a CCG, a, a real, you know, heavy deck building game or a, um, you know, a war game or a miniatures game, this fits almost into that board game category mm-hmm. um, in the way that it plays. Um, and in that sense, it, it it worked really, really well. And it's one of those that you could pull into the rotation pretty regularly, um, you know, crack a couple of drinks with a couple of mates and, and throw some cards around and you'd all have a good time. Yeah, definitely. I, like I said, I'm just, I'm just really happy with this because I fully expected this to be something that looked very pretty that sat in my cupboard for quite some time without getting played or without getting... You let her out, by the way. I'm, I said cupboard. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah. You know, not the uh, the crawl space under the stairs. But yeah, overall, very happy. Um, and I will will be cracking this out again very, very soon. Like even, you know, quite tempted to, to get it out and have a couple more solo games and try and add in these crisis cards and, and see what that adds to the game. I'm curious. Yeah. As I said, for, a, you know, for somebody who walked into the first game a little bit going, Oh, I don't know what I'm in for. Would be very happy to, to bust this out again, pick a night, any night. Cause the other half is right. It's no prep required. You mm-hmm. bust out of the box, you hand everyone their starter deck and you're pretty much there. Look, I'm very, very happy. Cause I did not, a, you know, like I said, it, it it surprised me how quickly you agreed to play. And B, very quickly you seem to be having fun. So yeah. for somebody without that, you know, box full of cards like I've got <laughs> upstairs, I need to go through every now and then and try and cull. Just bathe in. <laughs> Just Scrooge McDuck into the... Some of them them are worth something. (laughs) Not many, but I think I got rid of the ones that were worth stuff. Anywho, shall we move on? Yeah, look, realistically, what what comes next? We usually talk about stuff that's happening. We do. Um, The same stuff is happening. Um, just want to watch, you know, just, just give last episode a listen and you'll get in a sense of, of what's on. Uh, the two things, there are two things that I really wanted to, to reiterate though. First of all, the Hobby Homies podcast have still got their terrain, um, competition going. I'm totally going to start that soon. I, I, look, I'm pretty sure I've got the idea I mean, I've been talking to you and Mark about some stuff and I like that idea. It's, you know, by the time I get anything done, it's definitely going to be November before I start. So it's going to leave me less than a month, but I'm eager to get something done. I reckon there's some potential. We'll have a chat. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in a similar, similar vein, although... There's a few different options, so I'm, I'm just going to have to pick a project and actually get stuck in, but it's kind of, I've got to finish my uh, TCG hobby hobby challenge stuff first. Yeah, that's the other that one first. I wanted to talk about. So today, well, it's still the 23rd for a couple more minutes. 
So that gives everybody in our little competition just over a week. So yep. 31st is when we're wrapping this up. So by all means, I've, I've been loving the progress picks that we've been getting. Uh, there's been some amazing stuff. Did you see the, the Death Dwarf Roller? Death Roller? Yes. Yeah. So pretty. Yeah. Very, so uh, and it's purple too. Like just yeah. bonus points for me. Um, so for all those working on that, Basically, you've got eight days left. Put your fingers out, kids. Uh, let's see some progress shots. Let's see how everybody's going. We want to get everyone um, f- as finished as they possibly can be. Yep. I know I've still got a bit to work on on my pump wagon, so I'll be trying very desperately to yep. get that nice and pretty by before. Two models to go. Mm-hmm. In a week, yeah, cool. What could what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> totally doable. So, uh, yeah. So everyone working on that, great work so far. The pictures have been amazing. Everybody's doing such a fantastic job, which I just love. And then, so this will be. I'm expecting this to be the last podcast before we announce the winner. We'll be yes, and we'll have to do that yeah. on the next one. I hadn't even considered that. Like the whole thing we're going to have to do. Yep. So, yeah, best of luck to everyone. Keep going. Done deal. Yeah. That's it. There's some other events, guys. We've talked about them. Um, they're all still happening. Um, and there's probably some more that we're not quite up to date with because I'm not that organized. But <laughs> restrictions starting to ease. The other half of that will be hopefully there's some actual games getting played and some maybe people are starting to warm up to the idea of events if if it all doesn't go to shit, starting to plan. So we'll see what, what comes of that too. Well, here in Victoria, I mean, we've been locked down pretty hard for quite some time. Us in the regional area, not so much as everybody else in Melbourne. So quite a few guys that I know that it's really hit hard when they've been, uh, I don't want to say trapped because, I mean, it's all for the right reasons. Yeah, but it doesn't make it any easier. I I feel like people are, and it was interesting because I've also had chats to people in the hobby going, at least we can hobby. At least you kind of can do that thing that you like. Mm -hmm. Um, But even then, cabin fever sets in at some point in time. So uh, it'd be really good, A, just to catch up with some people that you haven't been able to catch up with in a while, um, roll some dice, play some games, that kind of stuff. So I can see a little bit of that going on um, as soon as they, they lift any more restrictions as well, which will be good fun. Yeah. I believe there's another announcement coming Sunday and we've been in very low single figures for the last couple of days. So yeah. here's hoping that... Uh, everything starts to ease up a little bit and that when they do, people don't go silly and send us back, <laughs> which is, is also possible. We Touch wood, see. everything goes well. Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's tracking well. Let's just assume it's going to keep going on that, that similar trajectory. Um, either way, mm-hmm. that is everything I had for today. That's all from me. Sounds like an episode. Yeah. So until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Mainly you, though. Yeah.
<laughs> Done. Laters. All right. Catch ya. Animal, animal, animal.